bottom line. Hey everybody, Yaku here. Uh, welcome to the bottom line. Thank you for your support, uh, as you always support us to fight sex trafficking, uh, but also to restore the nuclear family, which is really the show today that I want to talk about. And this is an excerpt of the show. Um, you know, I want to take a look at relationships and and looking at the baby boomers. Gen X, which is technically what I fall under, uh, Gen Z, which is being pummeled uh, on the relationship level, and then Generation Alpha that's coming up. These are the under 12-year-olds, Generation Alpha. Uh, There's a discussion to be had (coughs) about the dynamic shifting in relationship. Ironically, we saw that divorce was lowered during COVID. <clears throat> and, you know, you can ask, well, was it because nobody wanted to divorce in the middle of a pandemic? But the studies actually show that, no, it was more more intentional time spent together. FaceTime, not the app, but face-to-face time, intentional conversation, and there was no one, nowhere to run to. Now, at the same time, suicide spiked through COVID and the lockdowns. Uh, domestic violence went up because people were forced to engage face-to-face. And so I'm looking at culture at the moment and there's some phenomenon going on. You know, we, we see a heightened awareness of human trafficking. We see a heightened awareness of the U.S.-Mexico border and the role that that border plays because it's constantly in the news. People are almost desensitized now and I'm concerned that they may get desensitized to the word human trafficking. And the term is too broad. You know, we need to talk about child sexual exploitation, debt bondage, and labor trafficking. But it all for me ties together to God's in, in God's design, intentional design for the human being. Why we are here. We are in fact here because we are supposed to engage with people. We are supposed to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're supposed to spread the good news. We're supposed to be able to have a culture that wants to be the good Samaritan, that steps into the gap for another. We are designed to engage with people. And we're actually designed to engage verbatim with eye contact with people. So I want to encourage you as we go through this that you really contemplate and think about the amount of time you spent in conversation and whether that conversation today for you is actual conversation. Eyeball to eyeball, not over technology, but in person where you are reading the other person's body language, you're reacting off their body language, you hear the intention and the emotion, emotional connection in their voice, you are gauging and reacting and and changing your conversation based on what they what they give you. I think that's why people are fascinated with watching podcasts, with watching Joe Rogan. I think that's why they're fascinated with watching a Jordan Peterson articulate himself. And hopefully a part of the reason why you like to watch this show. We we, we need human interaction. Now, what happens when a large portion of our interaction is actually communication, but it's not dialogue. Um, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. <clears throat> Has anybody recently told you, I told you, 
And then you think, no, you didn't tell me. You text me. Well, you wrote me an email. And then they go, yeah, but that's what I mean. I send you a text. So I informed you. I informed you of something. I threw information over the fence in your direction. I don't know if you caught it. I don't know if you caught it with the right context. I don't know if the tone was received right. I don't know if the intention of my comment was brought across properly, appropriately, because there's no instant feedback, you know, but I, I told you, you'll hear people today say, I told you, and, and I would argue, no, no, you didn't. We didn't talk about this. Well, we didn't talk, but I told you, no, you text me. And, and how do you know if I've even received the text? Well, you opened it. Still, there's context and nuance. And so I think a lot today is lost in translation. Where am I going with this? When we start talking about very complex things like sex trafficking, and you see a movie out there like Sound of Freedom, or you go to a sermon and a pastor is preaching something, and you don't have context. You don't get to contemplate, receive the information, give your account of it, of what it is, soundboard it with someone so it comes back and hear your own thoughts for a second. You know, is that how I really feel, what I really think? We are losing the art of communication, and through it, we're losing the art of problem solving in America. And that's what all this about this episode for me comes down to. Can we still be critical thinkers that solve problems? And, and can you do that on your own? You may think you can, but I would argue collectively we're stronger. I would argue that Jesus sent his disciples out two by two, not just to have each other's back, but for critical thinking, for one disciple to do something and the other to say, that's not the way Jesus would have done it. Or don't you remember we saw rabbi do this or do that? You know, the art of critical, individual critical thinking is discouraged today in our culture. Don't think we'll tell you what's good for you and what's not. Don't think we'll tell you what to eat. We'll tell you what medicine to take. And if you dare to think you're now an outlier I want to push you further. Think, think out loud. Not groupthink, where we all think together, but process your thoughts verbally, eyeball to eyeball, particularly if you have a significant other. If you are married, or if you are in a long-term relationship, or if you are thinking of getting married, or if you are roommates with somebody on a football team, and there is a considerable amount of time spent in someone else's presence, engage in challenging conversations. I'm not talking about arguments, but I'm talking about the need to bring civil discourse back into culture, to bring the let's agree to disagree ability without taking the emotional trauma which you pick up by the way you pick up offense someone cannot offend you you pick it up they may have said something offensive but for it to be for you to be offended 
it would have to stick to you. Right? We have lost the art to go, even if that was meant offensive, I'm not I'm gonna choose that it doesn't offend me. It's not gonna disrupt my day, it's not gonna change my behavior, it's not gonna change my personality, it's not gonna go let me go do something stupid, right? It's not gonna let me overreact. Because I'm secure in who I am and my thoughts. And I can now actually engage in civil discourse with someone that I know for a fact does not think the way I think. When last did you see that? And I'm not talking about social media challenge. Real civil discourse. Where you sit down and you can have a real conversation. Strong opinionated debate. I mean it is a lost art form. Because we're talking through this. I told you, I text you, one-way email, no, no, no context, no emotion. I got to completely guess and read with what I see, can't ask questions. And it's this ping pong, my turn, your turn, kind of a way of going through life. And now we're trying to solve very, very complex problems in culture, communicating that way. And, and actually, it gets worse. It's emojis and it's shorthand. And it's, you know, a, a quick, you know, breakdown of, of a sentence. It's not even descriptive. We must get back to speaking. I, heck, I'd love to get back to writing letters by hand. I'd get back to pen, like to get back to pensmanship, where the brain is actually engaged and, and, and there's an art form involved versus just texting, typing, right? Getting big thumbs and small brains. Um, so the challenge is this for you, for me, list the last four or five conversations that you wanted to have a deep intentional conversation to come to a result of something. And the person on the other side, uh, was not willing to talk. I've been the person not willing to talk. I've been the person willing to talk and the other person wasn't willing to talk. I think we're guilty of both. But I do think we need to have introspection and reflect on ourselves here and say, well, societally, it's, it, it's got to change. It's got to stop. We must roll the clock back here. We've got to go back. And it's not even rolling it back. We've got to go back to the original design and the intent of connection. And, and connection today doesn't have to be intimate. But it can be intense. It can be intentional. can be challenging. It will be rewarding. Even if you feel like, man, I think I lost that argument. That's the problem. No one wins an argument. There's no such thing as losing an argument. Nobody wins an argument. Everybody takes damage. Everybody takes fire. Okay? It is the civil discourse ability to sit and make a very strong opinion at the family dinner and doing it in such a way where you're not intending to offend but those at the table choose not to pick up a fence because they want to make an equally strong opinion and let the best opinion surface and maybe the best idea will then win if we are humble and we are not about ourselves but truly about solving a problem. Then the best idea should win. And therefore, you got to put all the ideas on the table. I argue in our culture today, we're not putting great ideas on the table. We're not. We are a culture that has every incentive to, in this hour, stop the bus, stop the train, and say, things have to change. 
We have done the same thing, expecting different results. That's a definition of insanity. We can no longer continue this. We can't. Whether it is the conservatives saying that they want a fair election and a vote, let me tell you, they're not doing anything about it. Not really. Not collectively. Individually, this group does this. That group does that. But there's no civil discourse to say which idea is in fact the best idea. Look at the race conversation. It's been an absolute disaster in America. It is a perpetuated evil used as a weapon to divide a nation is the race conversation. Why? Because no one wants to have real, honest, civil discourse with data to back it up. Not picking up a fence, looking at it saying, this does not work. You can have a BLM movement and swing the pendulum and burn buildings down and call white man bad. It's not going to work. It may feel good for the minute, but guess what happens when you pull the pendulum all the way up here? It swings and it overcorrects all the way up here. So we're playing this yo-yo pendulum effect with critical issues in our culture while people are suffering, while culture is slipping back, while we're losing our position in the world as the world leader of freedom, of a Judeo-Christian value set, of liberty and justice for all, of ingenuity, of problem solving, of job creation, of the little man can do it, the underdog can win, dream your dream, American man or woman, you can make it. We're losing that ground because we have lost the art to communicate, to have civil discourse, to let the best idea be featured on the table and not take offense and not needing to shut the other person down. We're losing marriages over it because people won't talk. They hold on to hurt. They hold on to pain. They're afraid to be ridiculed. They're afraid to be exposed. Your breakthrough moments are going to come through your most honest conversations. Have you not learned this yet? The scripture tells us, bring it into the light so God can heal it. What does that mean? Talk about it. I'm not talking about airing your family's dirty laundry to, to the neighbors and to the Karen down the street. I'm talking about those trusted individuals that God has put in your circles for you not only to hold them accountable, but for you also to stand accountable and not take offense. And I know it's hard not to take offense, especially when it's a loved one. We, we hurt most by those closest to us. Those words cut deep. But we can make a decision not to take offense. And we can then reply with, listen, I, I like the conversation. I like that you're coming to me with a particular opinion and you think there's something I can fix. May I ask you to do it civilly? May I ask you to do it with kindness? I will listen. I want to hear what you have to say. But then don't be the person that wants to just tell people what to do, but you can't listen either. You, you have to also be able to give and take, receive. Freely receive, freely give. Right? Freely receive again. We must return to this. Because if we don't, I'm watching the church fractioning. I'm watching the church saying, well, we're going to do it this way. And that denomination, we're going to do it this way. And that denomination is going to accuse that denomination. And 
Catholics are accusing Christians and Christian Catholics. And then you want to sprinkle in the smorgasbord of all the other things. And that equals disunity. And a united front cannot stand. A house divided will fall. A double-minded man cannot be blessed. So how do we fix it? Come to the table. Bring something. It's like a potluck roast. Bring something. It's a white elephant party. You've got to bring a gift. What is your gift? A proposed solution. Not an attack or an accusation. That doesn't qualify. Because the second you accuse, you are drawing out a fight. So if you want to fight, don't say you want to talk. Put on gloves and tell the person, let's fight. At least be honest. Don't come with a facade that you want to talk about something, but you really want to fight. It's built up anger. If you really actually want results, come to talk. Deposit a gift, a solution, a propo- highlight the problem, a proposed solution, and then allow the other person to do the same. And then have civil discourse. Debate it hard. Be opinionated. Back it up with scripture, I hope. And then together ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the answer. And here's what's going to happen in your life, in your personal life. You're going to see breakthrough. You're going to see results. We're going to see Big, problematic, giant-sized question marks is hanging over America right now. Answered. And there'll be unity. Why? How can I guarantee unity? Because the Holy Spirit's not schizophrenic. If we are seeking God, and the Holy Spirit leads us, and we're humble enough not to take offense, and we own our own, and we repent for our portion of it, and we ask for forgiveness, and we give forgiveness... The Holy Spirit will guide us and collectively will come to a result at a table that will say, wow, that was actually easier than I thought. It feels redemptive. I I took a couple shots and stings, but you know what? I'm going to heal. Thank you for listening to me. I listen to you, right? But we have a result. We are not producing results in America. We're not producing results in the race conversation, in the sex trafficking conversation, in the border conversation, in the corruption conversation and politics, in the coward conversation in the country, in the gender, gender neutral, do whatever you want, be a dolphin or a furry conversation, in the can you trust a politician conversation, can you trust the justice system conversation, in what's Washington and the White House going to do conversation. What, what is a woman? Look at the debacle of that conversation. That wasn't a debate. There was no civil discourse. It's war. It's blood sport. What about more complex issues like, hey, what are we going to do with the orphan crisis in America? What are we going to do with the 60% of children in CPS that have suffered from sexual abuse conversation? How are we going to reconcile the millions and tens of millions and millions of babies aborted? How are we going to reconcile inner city America? How are we going to get away from asking first, what's your political affiliation, before I decide whether I'll help you, America? Those are complex conversations that's going to need adults in the room. People who put God first themselves second, third, fourth, fifth, 
put the other person first, be the good Samaritan, put it all on the line, expose your heart through your ideas and your thoughts. Don't hide. Speak. By the word of your testimony, they will know. Be willing to learn and be willing to teach. Be humble enough to be corrected. And when you correct, do it in love. We're going backwards. History is laughing at us. Because we're breaking things in this culture at the moment. What about the complex conversation about pornography and children? Children viewing pornography. What about the complex conversation of the suicide rate in teenagers? You, you don't wish these things away. You don't just thumb suck an idea out of thin air and culturally fix something. Now, this is going to take generations. And by God's grace, a generation to fix. To put a hand on the rudder of the ship again and steer it again. Because we're flailing in the wind. And I'm telling you, it's because we've lost the art of communication. First with God and then with one another. To bring real solutions to very, very complex problems. So let's start there in our families and rebuild a family by family, a unit that will communicate. Okay? God bless you. Thank you so much.